Hello, everybody. Thank you for downloading this episode of the Final Third Podcast. We have quite the episode for you all today. We talk about the Newcastle United takeover, the Ballon d'Or shortlist coming out, France you win- winning the UEFA Nations League, as well as the U.S. men's national team winning pretty comfortably against Jamaica and losing pretty badly against Panama. All of that to say that you should all follow us and leave us a rating on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on. We've been getting a ton of followers on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So go ahead, join the bandwagon. Everyone else is doing it too. Give us a follow to keep up to date with our episodes. And yeah, enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Monday episode of the Final Third Podcast. It is our news and predictions episode. We have a jam-packed episode for you all today. As always, I'm one of your co-hosts, AJ Tabura, fan of Minnesota United, the U.S. national team, and West Ham United. And I'm joined by my other co-host, Jack. Hello. Yeah, I am a Minnesota United fan, a Chelsea fan, an Atalanta fan, a French national team fan, you know, Ale Le Bleu. We're going to talk about that today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a USMNT fan, kind of, I guess. I'm not yes. sure how to feel after today. Um, and, and just for fun, we'll just throw in the Guyanese national team as well, because why not? All right. I, they don't win anything, but it's fine. Well, I'm glad that you put in Guyana. I guess I could throw in the Philippines, too. I don't know how well we're doing in uh, the probably, AFC. Probably better than Guyana. Uh, probably I, I think we're still in contention for the afc cup so whatever good for us jack we are talking about so much news today we're talking about the newcastle united takeover uh ball on door uh 30 20 man slash woman shortlist coming out france winning the uefa nations league u.s men's national team playing really well against jamaica and pretty badly against panama a lot of things but as always, if you want to hear our thoughts on all of these things as they happen, follow us on Twitter at Final Third Show. Uh, I tweeted a lot about the U.S. men's national team today, the NWSL, the past couple days. Jack tweeted about France today. So definitely check that out and leave us a rating while you're at it. Jack, I'm going to give you the choice to uh, choose which story we talk about in the newsroom where we talk about the big news stories happening in soccer. Do you want to start with the Ballon d'Or shortlist coming out or Newcastle United getting taken over by Saudi Arabia? Let's start about the biggest news, I think, of the week, which is that Newcastle United takeover. Let's start with that. All right. So as people may have known, Saudi Arabia or allegedly Saudi Arabia, more specifically, more legally, a Saudi Arabian led consortium uh, has been interested in Newcastle United Uh, the Premier League club for the past 18 months or so. And after rumors of the takeover happening last year, the 300-pound deal has ended Mike Ashley's 14-year ownership of Newcastle United. The Premier League have received legal, legally binding insurances that the actual kingdom Saudi Arabia will not control Newcastle United. Jack, are you you confident in that that statement? No. Uh, I'm going to say I'm going to say no on that one, just because we've seen it with Manchester City. It's not technically the UAE, right? Technically the UAE, but it pretty much is with all the wealth coming into it. So, yeah, pretty much that is what's likely to happen. And that has a lot of people upset, mostly human human rights groups like Amnesty International 
and really anybody who knows anything about how Saudi Arabia, say, treats journalists, allegedly, and treats minorities of all kinds, allegedly. Uh, and so now the Saudi consortium owns 80% of the club. And they're also talking about investing in infrastructure outside of the club around Newcastle, like the Royal Victoria Infirm Infirmary, which is near St. James's Park. Uh, the UK government was okay with it because this meant that the UK's strong commercial and intelligence links with the kingdom can increase. Uh, we have a Thursday episode talking about what this is, which is sports washing. Uh, some other examples of sports washing. Jack just mentioned Manchester City. Uh, we go into uh, what happens when countries buy these clubs on Thursday. So definitely check out that episode when it comes out. We're going to be talking about Newcastle even more in depth there. Uh, and it's understood that Steve Bruce will be fired this week, sometimes this week. And players like Kaylor Navas and Icardi are rumored to be joining with Antonio Conte potentially interested in managing the team, uh, a lot of other managers as well. A women's team will also be officially established in Newcastle as well. Jack, initial thoughts about the takeover? Well, you know, as someone who does care about human rights, I, I'm not a huge fan of it. Yeah, uh, just because I think it's it, it's a bad precedent. And the and the only roadblock as well that the Premier League set out for them for this was allowing B in sports to be broadcast in the country. Mm -hmm. That that's it. That's it. That that's literally it. That was the only thing that they found objectionable to the Saudi Arabian led consortium buying Newcastle, which is just, you know, appalling because after all of the grandstanding they did about like upholding the ethics of the sport and everything, with yeah. the Super League, this isn't this isn't ethical. And I know Newcastle fans are very excited about it. Con yeah, congratulations to them. You know, they, it's they great were for outside them. of St. James's Park saying stuff like we finally have our club back like Mike Ashley is gone. It's kind of like, in my opinion, like uh, going from what's the saying, like from the frying pan into the fire or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I to to people who I you know, I'm, I'm sure they're happy that Mike Ashley is gone because he I was would bad. be too. Yeah, he was yeah. bad. Yeah. Um, but there the people saying that we have our club back. No, you don't have your club back. What you have now is your club being used as political propaganda yes. for uh, for a, uh, a country that you said supposedly I'm going to I'm going to say murders journalists. OK, because we have video of that. I'm not right, I'm not well, I'm not I'm being I'm I, I really am not happy with the uh, with the takeover. I think it's a bad precedent. Uh, but, you know, once. The UAE had uh, had bought Manchester City. That precedent had already been set. So mm -hmm. it, it, it was it, it was going to happen because it wasn't a matter of like, you, you know, how, it, did they have enough money or do they have enough resources? No, it was just about a TV deal. That's it. And yeah. I, I, I'm not happy about it. I'm I, I can't believe that Newcastle are. I and it, it, it are going to be just used as a tool of political propaganda. I think that's right. That sucks. That 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 isn't what it should be used for at all. And we're already seeing Newcastle fans being those propaganda puppets, right? And we're going to talk about this a lot more in that sports washing deep dive. But there are Newcastle fans who are defending the takeover, defending the actual uh, Saudi owners because of the success that they could supposedly bring in the club. And that goes a long way to show that people, not just football fans, but people in society if they aren't like 100% in the know, they just don't care about things that don't affect them. 
And that's why they are letting this go. That's why they're okay with uh, a kingdom that creates so many human rights violations every single second, every single minute uh, that it exists. And it's it's really gross to see. Uh, I'm with you there. And I I, I really wish that we could have more of a pushback, even if it's not going to cause any actual change. Just to have some people, more people condemn it than we already have here. Jack, going from off the field to on the field, does this change Newcastle United's trajectory in the Premier League? We have, uh, we we have the new owners' promise ambition. Like that was their big thing when they came on. They're like, we are going to be ambitious. How quickly do you think they could turn around Newcastle United? from an on-the-field perspective? Well, you take a look at Manchester City and you're looking at about three to four years it took for a complete turnaround, but, I think. But, but, but so t- To be fair, Manchester City also existed before the times of FFP, though. Yep, Is that- I, yep I know. I, okay. And that, that's what changes it a little bit because um, I've, ac- I've actually heard a lot of people talking about this, uh, this dimension, the economic dimension of this, because... On the field, you know, Newcastle wants to attract the best players, right? But who wants to go to Newcastle is the question. Yeah, like it's Newcastle, not to live in Newcastle. New, Newcastle isn't the greatest destination in the world. Uh, and because of that, you know, it's going to inflate transfer values because already if, if, they, if they're going to try and turn things around, right, and get something, someone like Mbappe or Holland as their fans want and think they can get. Don't think that's going to happen, to be fair, but, you know, they, they think that, that that's possible. You have to pay it. They're already absurd wages and transfer fee. And then you have to pay them extra because you're, you're trying to get them to move to Newcastle. Mm-hmm. So that, that's one aspect. But in terms of turning everything around, I think it will take quite a few years to get up to that point. Uh, you know, I think it's reasonable to assume in like a year or two they're challenging for Europa League and maybe, maybe Champions League. But in terms of like challenging for a league title, you're talking about four, five, six years down the line even. Like because with FFP, if you want to get in good, uh, like big names, you know, you're, you're going to have to, you're, you're, you can't just spend it all in one window. You're going to have to wait and like, you know, yeah. address different issues in each different window. And also, coaching-wise, uh, if they don't get Conte, I, I'm, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure how likely that is, just because Conte, see, I'm, I'm not sure how much he wants to live in Newcastle. Uh, but, yeah. you know, um, the other name I've seen linked with that is Lampard, and if they get that, I'm going to laugh, because he yeah. did okay with Chelsea, but that was with really good players. If he did okay with really good players, how is he going to do with average to bad players damn that's that's harsh but (laughs) come on jolinton jolinton is on the team you're gonna pick jolinton instead of like uh maxime or uh alan st maxim yeah sure that's the good okay i i guess that we can reframe the range to good to include uh st maxim that's fine (laughs) okay that's fine all right well that is the newcastle united takeover i'm gonna have to agree i think it's gonna take a long time i'd say even 10 years before they're you know true bona fide contenders i wouldn't be surprised if in four to five years their champions league 
uh, spot contenders in that top four area, but it's going to take a lot of work, work that is completely unprecedented in the Premier League era. So who knows? Who knows? I'm I'm praying on their downfall. That's for sure. I'm praying for uh, a lot of teams downfalls. Uh, But if you guys want to hear more about the Newcastle United takeover, as well as the history and context around sports washing in a soccer context, the 2022 World Cup, Manchester City, PSG, listen to our Thursday episode, please. Let's move on to the Ballon d'Or, Jack. France, French football, France football. Um, I forget what the magazine's called, Uh, but they released their 30 man shortlist for the male Ballon d'Or. And the 20 woman uh, shortlist for the women's Ballon d'Or. And obviously, we're not going to go through every single name. I did want to talk about our top three or so picks for both the male and the female side. Obviously, Jack and I know more about the male side, but I do have a lot of opinions on the female side as well. Jack, right off the bat, do you have any maybe omissions that you saw that you're that are bringing up question marks? Because I have a few that I feel like should have been on this list instead of a couple of others. Yeah, there are some, I, I think there are some weird inclusions okay. on the list. Uh, I, at least I thought at first, but then I, I, I looked into it a little bit more and I was like, I can understand it. Like for, for example, at first I was like, Nicolo Barella, what is he doing on the list? But then I was like, he did win the title with Inter and yeah. he won the Euros. He, and he played and very well for yeah. both sides. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm trying to think of like, really big glaring omissions but honestly i can make a case for most of the players on the list to be there mm-hmm. may i uh, like i i don't know who do who do you have a, a for your omissions maybe that will spark some more thinking and on mine i i will have some surprising inclusions first so okay i, okay. I have phil foden i think he's a very good player but i don't think that he's top 30 in the world yet same thing with Mason Mounts. I think he's played very well, but at the same time, relative to some of the other players that I might list, is he the best uh, in like in the top thirty? I don't think so. Mares, Pedri, and Sterling. Same story. Sterling, maybe especially good players, very good. However, when you have Joshua Kimmich, Thomas Mueller, Gundogan, Oblak, Chiesa, especially like these are names that I can make a case for them being. Uh, in the top 30 over those other five what do you think jack yeah i i did i did i was just thinking uh because i i'd forgotten that mares was on the list yeah that's not deserved <laughs> I, I think that's that's one of the few in uh, sterling those yeah. are two that i think are undeserved uh snub i know i know you you could say bias on this edward mendy i think he could deserve a place on this list and, just and be, that, yeah that says a lot less about mendy being under overlooked and more that for some reason there's like not a lot of defenders or goalkeepers there, I definitely there never agree with you. there never are yeah uh, and there should be yeah there should yeah. be um i i also think like um you know simon care good defender but also part of me wonders if part of the reason he's on there is because of the euros and you know uh it, not necessarily playing actions you, you know i uh, right right his actions helping out with the with the situation in that first game, yes, yeah, I, which which is which is great, like that he did that, but also, is it, it like has he done anything that's like Ballon d'Or worthy? I guess like Denmark getting to 
the the semis of Euros yeah. is pretty and, and, impressive. And he, did, he did play well for Milan in the 28 games that he played for him in the league, but yeah, uh, I, I don't think he's going to win. So I don't. Think no, I, I, I don't think that. I don't think so. I I I think he's in like the the bottom ten of of players okay. it, it, on the list at least. Well, Jack, I want to hear your top three. Uh, in no particular order, or in particular order, uh, who who do you have in your top three? Okay, um, it, it's it's tough, but I think number uh, I'm I'm gonna go from three from three to one. Okay, uh, number three, Robert Lewandowski. Uh, I think he did pre- He I mean he he broke records the, yes. in this season, and he probably should have won it last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that definitely. Definitely. Uh, he's give, he's gives number him a two bit. for me, but yeah. Okay. And, uh, he, but the thing that holds him back is he won, he won the league with Bayern. Didn't kind of flamed out in the champions league because he wasn't able to play. For yeah. one. And then also didn't do great at the euros. Uh, so that I, because they didn't even qualify out of the group. They finished last in the group mm-hmm. as well. Like that, that was awful uh, from Poland. So uh, that's why, that's why he's third. Second for me is Jorginho. I, I want oh. him to win the Ballon d'Or so badly. I do. But I, I do think he was incredibly important for both Chelsea and Italy in winning their uh, respective championships. You know, without, without him in the midfield, those teams I don't think would have won. Sure. Jorginho was essential to how Chelsea played because he was, he was good at keeping possession, protecting the ball, and distributing out the pass. He was doing that for Italy as well. Uh, all of the play really ran through Jorginho in those teams. And because of that, I think he deserves a shout for getting the Ballon d'Or. Third for me is Lionel Messi. Uh, or first. Oh, first, first yeah. My bad. Yeah, I, I, I do think he's probably going to win it regardless. Uh, just because, you know, it's almost always going to be Messi or Ronaldo. It's boring to me. I hate it. I, I, I feel like... I. I it's kind of boring. He didn't have a great season with his club at all. Uh, I mean, he did on an individual level, team level, bad. Uh, but you know, he he did do he did win the Copa America with Argentina, which is which is big. He scored thirty goals uh, for Barcelona, so I, I do think he's probably going to win it, which makes me sad because I think other people deserve it. But I know that that the Ballon d'Or is not a fair competition in the slightest. So it there, you know, it's probably going to be him that wins it. Jack, let me tell you, it would be an unfair competition if Jorginho won. No, because this no, is, no, no, no deserved, okay. Deserved. Listen to me here. No, 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 no. Top goal scorer for Chelsea last Top season. Go- yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah, man, that is true. The that facts is true. Don't lie. The facts, <laughs> the facts don't, don't lie. lie, but the context tells a bigger truth, huh? Uh, ignore no. the context. Ignore it. <laughs> Messi. Okay, the Ballon d'Or is an individual trophy, right? It like, it, of course, soccer is a team-based, uh, co- uh, sport. But if we're basing things off of the the accolades of a team, we're overlooking the value that is the individual award here. So my third is Ronaldo, interchangeable with like half of the top ten, if I'm being honest. Uh. Like you could put Jorginho top three and have him be third. Like I, I really don't care. But Ronaldo, he got thirty-five goals in all competitions. He was the key player for Portugal and Juve. We see what happens when you take him out of Juventus; they fall off. Uh, second is Lewandowski. 
you already talked about him. Very good player. My first is Messi. And I think that if Jorginho even comes close to edging Messi out, it will be a huge disservice. Because and and this is this is why this is why I hate tournament year of Ballon d'Ors because it places too much on who wins the biggest uh, international trophy when Messi also won an international trophy and if you take him out of each of the three respective teams that he has played on whether it's PSG maybe not PSG because they have a bunch of stars mainly Barcelona and Argentina the entire identity and strength of that team changes you take Jorginho out of Chelsea and Italy I know you said that changes a lot but really I think no I think that there are plenty of serviceable players that could fill in that role will they for sure win uh the trophy maybe maybe not but if you take a messy level a caliber player out of like Argentina or Barcelona we've seen what happens like that is how you measure who is the most valuable player of the year, in my opinion. Jack, I, I know you disagree. I, I, see, I see what you mean, but at the same time, Jorginho is essential. Without him in Chelsea, Chelsea don't qualify for next year's Champions League. They don't make it past... Uh, I, 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 think, I honestly think without Jorginho on the team, they do not make it past Porto, potentially. Because he controlled the game and is the reason why they were only able to score one goal in in uh, in, in that. If if you take if you take him out of Italy, they we we actually saw it. They 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 get overrun uh, in in the midfield in the games mm-hmm. he didn't play. They get completely overrun in the midfield. It's it hurts them a lot when he's not there. So I I think that he definitely should get close to the top. Because, you know, if Luka Modric can win the Ballon d'Or... Oh, that was for, BS, by the yeah, way. Because that was also not, another tournament yeah, year he, Ballon d'Or. He won d'Or. it without even getting to... With, with, for getting to the finals of the World Cup. And then getting smashed 4-2. Uh, and, you know, he won the Champions League with Real Madrid that year. But at the same time, yeah. like... It, I, I do think... I don't think that Ronaldo should be in the top three, though. Personally. Okay, that's fine. I, I, I think, you know, he, he didn't win anything... And he kind of, you know, uh, I don't know. He he didn't have a great Euros either. Sure. I, I, he he scored a lot, but a lot of them were penalties, easier goals. I don't know. I I also just don't like Ronaldo. We've been over this, though. Yeah. But let's let let's move on to the the, yeah. the women's uh, list. I, I do so. have to say one more thing: that the Ballon d'Or is who is the best footballer of the year, and if just in a vacuum, if you look at the players. Messi versus Jorginho versus Lewandowski versus whoever. I still think you th- you still think that Messi is just the best player. I did that, put that, him in. I did put him at first for a reason. Yeah. I most of me saying that it that he shouldn't get it is me wanting Jorginho to win. But yeah, I I do think I I do think it would be deserved. I do think it would be. Yeah, I and, just and, want Jorginho. Let me tell to win, you. Man. Let me tell you. If a West Ham or U.S. men's national team player was in this, you, I would be doing be the same going, thing. Yeah, I'd exactly. Be doing the that, same that's exact the thing. thing. Yeah. If if so, Jesse Lingard was in there, you'd be putting him above Messi. Mm, after what he did to West Ham a couple of weeks ago, maybe. Not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, let's move on to the women's side of things. I'll start off with my top three. Uh, very close. Uh, so I included both of these names: Vivian Midema, who had a great year for Arth- Arsenal and in the Netherlands, and also Hermoso, who won it all with Barcelona, was their top goal scorer in uh, 
uh, La Liga Feminine. I don't know if that's actually the name for that. I think number, it is. T- number two, I had Sam Kerr uh, won the Women's uh, Super League, the League Cup, and was the top goal scorer there. Very good uh, year from her. Number one, this might be a little controversial. I had Alexia Putellas, who won it all with Barcelona, was key for the team, literally their best player in their Champions League run, in their La Liga run. Really, all of these teams or all of these names, you, you, you can like mix them up. I, I wouldn't be mad if uh, Midema or Hermoso or Putellas or Kerr won because they're all they all have like great accolades to their name. That's just the way I see it. Jack, I want to guess that Kerr is going to be your number one, but tell me who you think else should get a a shout out there. Well, um, I I actually have three that you mentioned on there as well. Okay. Uh, So my third pick would be Vivian Medema. Very good player. Very good at the Olympics this uh, this uh, this summer and also did great for Arsenal. I powered them into uh, the Women's Champions League. Very good for them. Um, second, I don't, I, 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 it's another case where I want this person to win, but I, I don't think they will. I have Sam Kerr in second. Uh, I, I think Sam Kerr has a chance. I, I think she does. M- more than I, Jorginho, I, if I'm being I, honest. I'm, if, if I'm being honest, probably true. Uh, but she, she was so good for Chelsea last season. She was the mm-hmm. top goal scorer in the FA Women's Super League, you know, vital to how they played. But I, I'm going to go for the same person at, to, at the top as well. Alexia Putellas, very important for Barcelona. Uh, and, you know, part of the reason why Chelsea got smashed in the Champions League final uh, against Barcelona was because of her. Yeah. So I, I think that she definitely should be, on, uh, should, should be on, in the top three. And I think that she has a very good chance of winning it, especially after winning UEFA Women's Player of the Year. So uh, awesome. I, I think I, I'm, I'm very much in agreement with you on this one. Uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe not the men's side, uh, except yeah. we, we both agree with Messi. So it's, it's yeah, not we, like, and, like and Lewandowski should be in the top three. We both agree on that. It's just yes. it's just that you refuse to accept the greatness of Jorginho. It's fine, though. It's fine. Well, I'll get you there eventually. One of these days, I'll see the light. I'll see the light. Eventually, we'll, we'll figure it out. Let's go on to the next story, which is uh, the UEFA Nations League that just wrapped up literally today when we're recording. Uh, uh, spoiler alert, France won. France won against, uh, who even was it? Spain. 2-1. Yeah. And also, uh, Italy beat Belgium. Was it also 2-1? 2-0? Two two yep, 2-1. Yep, All right. So the, the overall rankings for the UEFA Nations League final was France first, runners-up Spain, Italy third, and Belgium. Uh, golden generation couldn't get the bronze fourth place for them. Let's start off with the semis, Jack, and let's talk about some of the games there. Uh, let's start out with not your side of the bracket, because Jack is a France fan. Let's start out with Italy being supposedly upset by a, a Spain uh jack did you happen to catch that game because it was it was kind of a wild one i did yeah um yeah it, it was quite a game and um I, I i do want i do want to talk about the thing that changed this because uh in this game it finished two to one for spain uh Ferran torres scored a brace 
in this and uh lorenzo or not lorenzo oh yeah lorenzo pellegrini i don't know why i didn't yeah uh he scored uh in the 83rd minute for a consolation goal to make it uh one to two but what changed this game was in the first half leonardo bonucci you know uh italian legend italian great some might say uh got sent off for a second yellow card and just real quick aj what's your opinion of the of this uh of that situation uh the situation i i think that i i'd say that the yellows were justified i really just think that this was a not a great showing from Benucci in terms of like leadership i don't i don't think that you should even put yourself in a situation where you can get like two yellow cards especially when you know that what is on the line here and the fact that italy probably you know they rely on that defensive stability so without you it kind of all falls apart what what do you think about the situation i think the i think that it was harsh both of the yellow cards uh because the first one i believe was for dissent uh so i mean yeah dissent's dissent you know yeah it's it's a yellow no it is a yellow card i get that but then the second yellow card i feel like a second yellow card offense should be for a bit harsher of a thing yes he leads a little bit with the elbow into that but after a, a first yellow card for dissent I feel like you've got to take other events into context for for that kind of thing, because it is super harsh to give a, a second yeah, yellow. But, I but think I, for it. I'm of the opinion that if it's a yellow card anywhere else, it's a yellow card there, too. So I, I, I think context matters a lot in, in the in yellow cards for this. OK, but I, 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 I guess like, you know, I can see I can see both sides of the argument. I just think that it was a bit harsh on Benucci, uh-huh. but. That's what happens sometimes. Sometimes yes. harsh decisions do happen. And I also think uh, there was a bit of a miss uh, by the Italian boss, Robert, Roberto Mancini, not subbing in an extra defender immediately and choosing mm-hmm. to play out the entire first half. Yeah. I mean, it was only four or five minutes without a defender, but still, like you, I, I feel like he should have made that substitution as soon as he got sent off. Yeah, because it allowed Ferran Torres to do what he does and just pop up between the defense and score a goal. And mm-hmm. so you, you've got to prevent that kind of thing, especially when you know that Spain aren't playing with a designated number nine. And so I think that was a tactical miss by yeah. uh, Mancini there. Mm-hmm. Cialini came on in the 46th minute to, uh, you know, back up that defense, Italian defense. And at that point, you're right. It was too late. Really, I think without that second yellow card, Italy wins this game. I I, I think overall, I think even, overall, even then I'm not so sure, honestly, because I think Spain wanted it a little bit more. I'm sounds cliche, but I think they actually they really did because Italy were like, we don't need this. We have the Euro, the Euros. Spain mm-hmm. was like, we want revenge. And yeah, yeah the, to be fair the, to them, they got it. So the, uh, that's definitely like a, a fair way to look at it. I just think that maybe they would win is a bit uh over the top i would say that they would definitely be in it oh yeah yeah they'd be way more in it than uh how the game ended i also have to shout out spain for playing very well we harped on them so much for being a wasteful team who has large amounts of possession large amounts of xg but can't finish well in this game they were able to power through and actually finish their chances ferran torres shout out to him uh Oyarzabal, great assists on the two goals and shout out to the relatively young team. Uh, there's been some key players on this team the past two games that 
have played very well. I have to shout out Pablo Gavira, 17-year-old for Barcelona, central midfielder, 17. That's crazy to see him not look out of place at all for this team. Uh, Jeremy Pino came in in the 49th minute. Uh, also super young, 18 years old for Villarreal, right winger there. Like To see those two players play very well. I, I, I would say that Spain are likely still going to be pretty powerful for the next couple of years, so good for them. Uh, Jack, let's move on to your side of the bracket. Let's move on to France winning, coming back against Belgium in one of the most cr- insane games that game, I've game ever of the year. seen. Game of the year, Literally, honestly. yeah. W- what did you see there? I know you were pretty mad in that second half. They went down because of a Yannick Carrasco and a Romelu Lukaku goal walk us through your feelings there yeah well um after that uh so i i was i was like after the yana carrasco goal i was like loris what are you doing uh because he didn't move a muscle to try and cover the post to be fair it did take a small deflection but even then uh you know it was a pretty good finish good assist by kevin de bruyne uh the second goal i was it was a conflicted feeling because it was lukaku goal so I was like, yay, Lukaku scored. But then I was like, dang, it's against France. It was a, it was a fantastic finish, to be fair to him, too. Like, mm-hmm. tight angle and just rattled it into the, bo- to the top netting. Uh, so I, I was thinking, you know, oh, France are going to make some changes. And uh, I also thought, I, I think, AJ, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I believe I texted you, well, France are finished. Yeah, uh, you, you, you texted me, France are finished. You also were like, yeah, this is why Deschamps should be out. His like selections, <laughs> yep. terrible. His tactics are terrible. And then what happened, Jack? What happened? Um, somehow he did something right. Uh, whatever he did at halftime worked like a wonder. Uh, Kareem Benzema came out and scored a, uh, scored a goal off of an Mbappe assist. Mm-hmm. Uh, good goal. And then um, killing Mbappe. Uh, actually, no. Antoine Griezmann won a penalty. Yes, perhaps it, it perhaps a bit harsh of a penalty, but he uh, Castagna does follow through on the back of of um, you know Antoine Griezmann's ankle, so it is a penalty. I guess I, yeah, it's, I, I think it's a Griezmann one, sold it a little bit, but I did, definitely think it was a penalty. In my yeah, opinion, it, it was a penalty, but it, it looks a bit harsh compared to some other penalty or non-penalty offenses. I guess you could say, but uh, and Mbappe redeeming himself for the euros yeah scores his penalty a beautiful penalty Great too penalty. 10 uh, out of 10 really <laughs> it was fantastic and uh i was at this point i was like oh my god france might actually come back and then in the 87th minute lukaku came through and scored a goal but didn't yes. because he was offside uh-huh. actually it was it was him that was offside I, I couldn't remember if it was him or carrasco who was slightly offside but he was offside and it was canceled out. And I was like, okay, extra time penalties. We can do this. We can do this. But then out of nowhere, Teo Hernandez comes into the box from the edge of the area and just rattles in a shot. Courtois, I, I think he gets a hand to it, but just can't get it out. And Teo Hernandez on his first cap for France, I believe. It's one, really? it's one of That's his first crazy. caps. Great defender, um, Bo. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he yeah. wins it for France yeah. at the death. It was fantastic. Uh, so I was very excited by that game. Uh, it was. Oh, man. It, I, I honestly, if there is a game that I wish I could watch again without knowing the result, it would be that one that like just over and over again. 
I would love to watch that one again and again. Yeah. And again. I was in my soils mechanics lecture watching that on my phone, and I was like, I had to hold in like, like cheers <laughs> and stuff because that that was that was an amazing game uh, from both sides. Even though Belgium, I, I will say you praised France a lot for. Uh, Belgium played well. Belgium yeah. played very well. Belgium played well until their midfield decided to collapse on itself. I don't know if that was uh, uh, their head coach not making enough adjustments to France's pressure or not. But the first that, half—that's what it was. Yeah. I think. Yeah, France's pressure at coming out of the the halftime. Yeah, was just exactly. insane. And Belgium's midfield, while spectacular in the first half, just collapsed in on itself because they didn't have to deal with it before, and they were tired. So. Mm-hmm. It Which worked. puts into pressure. I'm sure we're going to be talking about this in the future sometime. Belgium's golden generation, another, even a minor trophy squandered, is another trophy squandered. So the World Cup really is their last chance for this. We're going to be talking about that probably some other time. Let's talk about France winning this uh, very late in the game, uh, the 80th minute with Kylian Mbappe scoring a goal. Rewinding back, it's Spain versus France in the final. Spain. Uh, 0-0 zero, zero at halftime. Jack, why don't you walk us through the events of uh, the game? Yeah, well, uh, the first half, you know, uh, the most notable thing was, you know, Spain had a couple of good shots. Lloris made a few good saves here and there. Uh, Varane came off injured in the first half as well. Yes. Which definitely was not good. Manchester United fans are not going to be happy uh, thinking about potentially having to go back to Lindelof and Maguire oh, in their gosh. back line. Uh, so... Uh, you know that that was the first half. It, it was it, it was a good half, but it wasn't it it, it wasn't what I, I was expecting at first. Uh, and I, I've got to say, I was watching this at Brits Pub in Minneapolis. Uh, shout out to them if you're in Minneapolis, go check it out. Yeah, great for place, sure. great um, food, great food. Uh, if you're over 21, great, 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 uh, great beers. Ah, darn. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you know, uh, it, it it was it, it was insane in in there. Because, you know, France in in the 62nd minute, I think, or 63rd minute about, they, they go forward. Teo Hernandez, uh, he almost caught some glory. He hits the he hits the crossbar, bounces out just like way out, way off. Uh, it's not it's not going in. And I was like, dang, that was a good chance. Then all of a sudden, Spain go on the counterattack. They're they're rapidly advancing up the field. And it and this finishes off. With a beautiful goal from Mikel Oyazerbal. Like, uh, he, he gets around Kimpembe perfectly, perfectly timed run uh, onto this. Like, perfect, inch-perfect run. And just slots it way past Lloris. Lloris should have done way better there. He literally moved out a step to try and prevent it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was pretty bad goalkeeping from him. But either way, fantastic goal by Mikel Oyazerbal. And I, I was getting a bit worried at that point. But then just two minutes later... Kareem Benzema scores an even better goal from the corner of the area, curling effort right into the top corner. You know, Unai Simon gets a hand to it, couldn't prevent it from going in. It was a perfect goal. Perfect, I, wonderful. I, like, I, 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 longtime listeners of this podcast will know I don't like Benzema because he took Chiru's place. But even I have to admit that was a that was a nice goal. That was that, a nice goal, and he's on great form for France at least yeah. in the past two games. Yeah, and. Uh, so can, can I just quickly yeah, course, say yeah. that so those two goals happen in the span of two minutes right at the same time I was wa- I had like four different monitors <laughs> going up 
Minnesota Vikings beat uh, the Detroit, Detroit Lions, Lions on yep. a last-minute field goal, like five minutes before. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the Bengals and Packers game, I was watching that. I was watching that screen. as well on, on in in the pub. Five yep. like missed field goals in a row, and it took a last-minute field goal to win that one. At the same time, I was watching the Minnesota United Colorado Rapids game, like oh, a, yeah. like two minutes after the Packers and like the two goals in this game happened. Minnesota United score a goal, and I was like, I was like completely overloaded i was like i can't have enough eyes to watch this and then something even crazier happened in the france spain game jack why don't you talk about that yeah well um france go on the attack once again against spain and uh teo hernandez plays a, a through ball into the path of mbappe who then, uh, you know, does a little bit of, of a few step overs in front yes. of Unai Simon's face. Kind of disrespectful, honestly, uh, and just sl- and just pushes it into the net uh, to score what would end up being the winning goal. And there, there's a bit of controversy about this. There's a lot of controversy. There, there's a lot. Uh, some people say it's offside. Many say, people say. I say those people are wrong. Those and people are right. No, they are wrong. <laughs> They're because, right. Uh, I uh, who who was it? Um, let me make sure I get the right name. It's Eric Garcia. Yes, Eric Garcia gets a touch on the ball. Okay, uh, okay. I know what you're going to say. The C- but, continue then. Continue, yep. please. Eric Garcia gets a touch on the ball as it's going through, and there is a rule: if a touch is intentional as it's going through, and no, a player no, 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 is in no, no, front. No, no. Yep, because this is what happened uh, with Olivier Giroud versus Atletico Madrid. If the, if, a, if the opposing player touches it and that player is still in an offside position and they latch onto it, it doesn't matter if they were offside because it was, pa- it, was, it was touched into that path. It was a clear attempt to try and clear it out of the way, and he, he scuffed he, it. He didn't actually like play the ball, though. Doesn't matter. It, it, it counted. It counted. No, and, no he, he just yeah. tried to intercept the ball. Okay, here's the thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, UEFA officially gave the assist to Theo Hernandez. Yep. That officially means that Eric Garcia didn't actually play the ball or else that wouldn't have been an assist. Th- those two things are mutually exclusive, right? I no, I don't think so. I don't I yes. don't think so. You can you can give a you can give an assist even if it even if it's slightly tapped uh, on the way through. And no, I think th- it no, is. that's yeah, not I how think, that works. I think that is it, not absolutely not. And how even that then, works. I don't think he was offside. I, I no, okay, you well, described that, no. it as miles offside. You know, I, yeah, because it was miles. It offside. It was not. It, yes, at it most, was. It was a millimeter offside. I don't think it's a clear and obvious error uh, in in like an offside call. And uh-huh. I I, th- I think like you know I I think it does the the may, maybe uh, you're right. Maybe Taylor Hernandez shouldn't get the assist, but it come it does touch Eric Garcia. Do you want me to read the rule right now? Because I would love uh, to reel the if, rule. If you want to, you you can. But I I'm I'm not going to back down on this. It, I know. It's, well, it's cool. true. Of course, if this happened for the USA, actually no, I, I'd still be like that's that's BS. But I will take it. But here's the rule, right? Okay. Being in an offside position is not an offense in itself, but a player's position when the ball is played by a teammate can be judged guilty of an offside offense if he or she receives the ball or otherwise be, become involved in active play interfere with an opponent. Or gained in an advantage by being in that position. Killing Mbappe gains an advantage. If he wasn't in that offside position, Eric Garcia does not try to play that ball. The entire reason why Eric Garcia tries to play that ball in the first place 
is because Kylian Mbappe is that step offside. If Kylian Mbappe is not a step offside, that ball comes closer to Eric Garcia and he intercepts that ball. Here, here's, here's what I'll say, though. VAR can't check for, you know, intent of player like that. All no, they can, no yeah, they, it, so it, it's, it's, it's not intent. The, the facts are that Kylian Mbappe directly influences how the entire play happens that is offside but do but do we know that do we know that eric garcia would not have tried to cut out the ball if mbappe wasn't there would, would he would he have still stepped in to try and win that ball because it's no, possible no, no, that it, he would have. It's, it's it's not eric garcia it's uh it's theo hernandez hitting that ball in that angle we know we know the facts about where that ball was going to go we we, we VAR, VAR and referees can it, it's, it's not an intent thing. They can check whether or not someone influences play because influences play is just a fact, right? I, I think I think I, I still Every, think I, everyone, I still think everyone listening cool. agrees with okay. me. In fact, nah. everyone tweeted us if you agree with Jack or me, whether or not Killian Bobby is offside. It's, it's he, better this way because who, who doesn't love seeing Spain get crushed? It's fun. OK, okay. here's the thing, fun. though. I, I think that France is going to win either way. And I, I, I mean, think they that, were. They were. Yeah, exactly. Like, like they had all the momentum going for them. It sucks. I really feel bad for everyone involved that this has to be the way it ends. Because this is going to be like every time you bring this up, I'm going to be like, no, it's BS. And like every time someone brings it up, it's going to be controversy. I'm, France, I'm going to, the next time we talk about this, I'm going to come up with more evidence. I'm going to find it. Yeah. Don't worry. And, it'll, it'll happen. I'll, I'll just say like Kylian Mbappe gains an advantage by being offside. Not a chance. He he drags Eric Garcia out like out like Eric Garcia would. The entire play would be different if Kylian Mbappe was was onside and Kylian Mbappe gains an advantage by doing so. And I'll leave it at that. Like, congrats to France. I fully wanted them to win because I knew that they were going to win. This is just this is just a stupid way for for them to win it. It's it's the best way. It's the best way possible. Who doesn't love a fun little, a, a, a fun win like this with some controversy around it? So much fun. Yeah. Jack, do you know who refereed this match? I do. Yeah. <laughs> which is why I'm laughing, about, which is why I think it's so funny. Because <laughs> this is Anthony Taylor refereeing a match where one of my teams has been involved has never worked out before, but it did somehow. So maybe he's not a bald fraud. Maybe he's a great referee. In fact, oh maybe he's gosh. the best referee in the world. <laughs> This is this is terrible. This is terrible. I, no, I, I, if I'm being <laughs> honest, it's probably not the best decision. But uh, I, I'm still going, I'm still going to act like it is the best decision because why yes. not? Because right. it means France win, and I can I can finally forget the Euros because we won a trophy. It's fine. Yes, it's fine. Th- this does mean that uh, France is back on the right track and yeah. kind of changes the way that we look at potential contenders for the 2022 world cup yep best obviously, team in europe yep this yeah. is this is bigger than the euros yep mm-hmm. yep yep exactly I mean, like, my thoughts like, exactly yep. italy are still going to be seen as one of the favorites out of europe but also you know france have shown that they can win knockout games yeah i mean uh, in this context but, but the thing is uh france has the joint most nations league trophies in history so yeah. just saying yeah Pre- pretty big deal pretty big deal <laughs> I, I am going to have to agree there. <laughs> Jack, that is enough of us arguing about Kylian Mbappe. Let's move on to some real quick stories. Jack, why don't you take us to Brighton Hove Albion for a, a not so great story, if I'm being honest. Yeah, um, well, uh, a few days ago, Brighton announced that one of their players 
had been arrested for suspicion of sexual assault. And while there are rumors about what player it was that that was arrested, uh, we're we're going to try and be like uh, have some integrity with our reporting on things. And because the only source that's reporting on the identity of that player happens to be the sun. And or, or, we're, or just a, a blurry Twitter video. Yeah, we're, we're, Sh- should we say who it allegedly is? Allegedly, it is Eves Basuma. Allegedly, yeah. but given that uh, you know there's an investigation going on, and you know no one can confirm for 100 percent the identity of that player. All we'll say for now is that uh, there was a Brighton and Hove Albion player arrested on suspicion of sexual assault. We'll yes. see. Uh, we will see. Uh, what ha- uh, what happens in the future with that one that that's definitely going to develop in the future. Uh, you know, it's been a big problem in the mm-hmm. in the football world recently uh, I, I and for a say, long time. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, like, I been, think it's, it's, it's only there for getting a long time. like the publicity now, which I'm, I'm it is good it that is. it's getting publicity exactly. and that it's being talked about. Yeah. It sucks that it happens. Obviously, sucks yes. is an understatement. Yeah. Yes. Big understatement. So, <laughs> as that happens, as and as some other cases of bad things happening uh let's say in everton and manchester city manchester uh, city we can what has been a confirmed case oh yeah though, we, so. we we have talked about but as that yeah. continues we'll mm-hmm. also talk about that uh let's move on to another story lucas fabianski retires from international football a lot of people know lucas fabianski is one of my favorite players been following him since his days in swansea city and into my favorite team west ham after 57 games with the Polish national team, Lukas Fabianski was substituted out in the 57th minute, very fitting, against San Marino, ending his international career. He gave Poland one of their best tournament showings ever in Euro 2016. He'll forever be an underrated goalkeeper. Speaking of underrated, Jack, why don't you talk about an underrated city getting an underrated competition? Yeah, well, the 2022 MLS All-Star Game is coming to Minnesota, specifically yeah. St. Paul, at Allianz Field. It's going to happen on August 10th, 2022. I'm excited for that because that happens to be just about a week before my 22nd birthday. Ooh. So I know exactly what I'm going to want for my birthday this year. Yeah. And uh, you're also going to ask for AJ to get some tickets with you, right? Of course, yes. Yeah. Yes, that, that's, that, is, that is implied with, with this. We're, okay. we're going to, to do everything we can to be there uh, because, you know, it will be literally in our backyards. I mean, not mm-hmm. literally, but pretty close. Pretty close. Oh, if we if we're still here on a University of Minnesota campus, then it's just a light rail right away. And so yep. we expect everybody who's listening to us, all of our listeners. Everyone converge on St. Paul. Yes. Everyone. Especially if you live in uh, the Midwest area. And we I know we have a lot of Wisconsin and Chicago based listeners come and uh, I'll be 21 there. I'll, I'll buy uh, everyone that's of age everyone <laughs> that's a lot I'll, I'll make that promise that those are stadium prices man you might oh, you yeah, might want to you might want to walk that back a little yeah. bit we'll, we'll see how my bank we'll, account's we'll doing in 2022 we'll split one okay okay <laughs> uh speaking of splitting seattle sounders didn't split any points this weekend as they clinched their 13th straight playoff appearance with a 4-1 win over the vancouver whitecaps the Seattle Sounders extended their playoff streak to 13, meaning that they have made the playoffs every single year that they have been in MLS. That's crazy. That's not supposed to happen for expansion teams. Uh, every single team has struggled at one point. Uh, everyone, every team has ups and downs. Seattle just has ups and slightly less ups. Congrats <laughs> to them. 
Uh, Jack, it's time for me to talk about the U.S. men's national team, but uh, I, I just want to hear a quick summary from you. Uh, in terms of the, the panic meter on a scale to 1 to 10, how panicked are you after the Jamaica and Panama games? Is 1 no panic and 10 is major panic? Yes, that's correct. I will say it. Three, maybe three. A little, a little. It's a little worrying, but uh, yeah, we're, we're still. If we get six points from this window, it's still better than last window. So that that is true. So and there, there we go. That that's that's what I'll say about that. Yeah. So uh, I don't know exactly where I am because I have not processed the feelings yet. USA beats Jamaica two zero after a zero zero halftime occurred. Uh, Ricardo Pepe stepped up big, as did. Brendan Aronson, uh, some other players, Eunice Musa, Sergino Dest, Ricardo Pepe had that brace to win the game 2-0. to zero. Probably our most comfortable win under Burhalter, like in the past two years. So very comprehensive win on that note. And then we walked to Panama, changed seven of our players, and we lost 1-0 to zero off of an Anibal Godoy goal. Looked like a Jossie Zardes own goal. Either way, not a great showing from us. So let's talk about some major takeaways in the U.S. men's national team corner where I talk about a big story happening in U.S. soccer. Number one, I think the big takeaway from the first two games is that Pepe's the real deal. We haven't had a true number nine that we can consistently rely upon since Josie Altidore. He's only 18, but his off, off the ball movement and his clinical finishing make him such a big threat. Obviously, he has a lot of improvement to do especially on that movement but you know three goals in the two games in, since jamaica very good uh didn't get a goal obviously against panama but still a very good player in a vacuum player health withstanding rotation withstanding he is the number nine of the usa number two speaking on the center backs zimmerman and robinson are two very good players they played very well in the gold cup they played very well against jamaica i think they're great defensively However, I would like to see Chris Richards, hopefully in Costa Rica, get a run out as he has the highest potential to be our best ball player of our center back pool. In a pinch, I do think Zimmerman and Robinson have proved that they can still play very well together, both in Jamaica in that game and in the Gold Cup. Uh, the midfield was a big strength, I think, in the Jamaica game and a big, uh, a big mark against Burhalter and his player selection in the second game against Panama. Adams, whenever he's on, he controls the midfield, stuffed so many chances, especially in that Jamaica game. Musa progresses the ball well and played a big role in the first uh, first goal to set up Dest, eventually who crossed it into Pepe. Super versatile and creative. I love having him on this field. McKenney hasn't been on great form since the Nations League. His overall product has dipped. I'm curious to see if Luke De La Torre or Reyna could get uh, potentially some form and usurp him. Still, the McKenney, uh, Musa, Adams trio is very, very good. The MMA midfield in Panama, we rocked out with uh, Legette Acosta and Musa, and everyone saw where that was going. I am a big Acosta fan. I am a big Legette fan, but that is when they are playing one out of the three midfields, right? What I mean by that is like when it's like Legette plus Adams plus McKenney, that's fine. Acosta plus Adams plus Musa, that would be fine too. Having three of those players who aren't really known for creativity to a huge extent is very hard. Neither are they like the types to stuff chances other than Acosta, who 
if he has a bad game, you can't really rely on Legette and Musa to fill in for him. And he did have a pretty bad game, probably his worst game since he came back into playing for the U.S. men's national team. Uh, overall, I, I really have to think that Berhalter's rotation, I can understand, but the players that he chose to rotate in instead of the other available players, I think are a bit confusing, especially when you have creative players like Luca Della Torre. Chris Richards, I understand why you don't play him, uh, but yeah, man, it, it was very, it was very tough to see. Miles Robinson also didn't get a run out in this game, and said he had Mark McKenzie. I don't think is a at the level of play you need to get points out of Panama. Not only that, but you leave the likes of Sergino Des. I know he's nursing a minor injury, but moving towards like Matthew Hoppy or not scoring Pepe, who's eighteen and has that versatility to play. Uh, even through the uh, three games in one window, like that's th- th- that that's just really crazy to me that that you would um, do that. Uh, I-, I think where this game really fell apart was in that midfield, Lejet Acosta and Musa. I think it shows that we need to have those key players there. We don't really have the depth to continue to rely on our second string if we don't have any first stringers with them to reinforce them. I think that if we had a stronger midfield, this game looks a lot different. And some of the players that didn't play super well, like Bello, Moore, Ariola, Zardes, they'd also look a lot better by proxy. Uh, I also think our wingers, Aronson, Ariola played very well in the first game. Ariola did not play at all well, pretty badly, in fact, against Panama. He's not uh, someone for the future. Wea played okay. Zardes, I mean, it's Zardes. People know what I think about him. Uh, yeah, like, I think my panic level, if I'm looking back at it, it's probably at a four, because I think we really do need to win against Costa Rica. We have to come out guns blazing. We'll talk about the Costa Rica game and what we think is going to happen there, but really, those are my takeaways in t- terms of player personnel. I, I really need Burhalter to, you know, stick with a plan and not rotate or tinker too much, because I, I understand that we're probably not going to win this game, but it's better to try to win and get a draw than try to get a draw by rotating and lose in such a demoralizing fashion. I'll leave it there for the US Men's National Team uh, corner because we got some games to predict and some predictions to uh, go over. We're going to be talking about uh, the window as a whole and very specifically the Costa Rica game next Sunday for the US Men's National Team corner. Jack, let's talk about last week's predictions why don't you get us started with uh, the, the, the format of this, the, the point system for our uh, prediction game? Yeah, well, you get 10 points if you get the winner correct. You get 20 points if you get the exact scoreline correct. And you get zero points for getting none of it correct. So uh, our, our first two games, we had the Nations League semifinals. Of course, we already discussed those in depth earlier in the episode. Italy versus Spain finished one to two in favor of Spain. Neither AJ or I believed in Spain. We thought Italy had this done. Maybe if Chiellini didn't get himself sent off, they might have. Uh, it was Benucci managers. actually. Chiellini came. My in. bad, Benucci. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they they look. They not gonna lie. They're 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 basically the same person at this point. Uh, yeah, based yeah, off all the years playing together. So. Uh, but I guess two to zero for Italy, zero points. Edge, you guess one to zero for Italy, zero points. Our listeners, and yes, you listeners can participate by going to Twitter at Final Third Show and voting in polls each and every week. 
for these games. But unfortunately, this one led to zero points because our listeners chose Italy. And the second semifinal, also, we talked about uh, most exciting game of the week. Belgium 2 to France 3. AJ said 2-1 to one for Belgium. He really ah. thought Belgium's golden generation had this. So did our listeners picking Belgium. Zero points. That's what happens when you believe in Belgium. Uh, but France, on the other hand, mighty, mighty France. I believed in them. I said they'd win 2-1. to one. Uh, And I'll take my 10 points for that one. All right. Well, the next game is not one of the Nations League games. It is actually a, a World Cup qualifier in the region of CONCACAF. It was Mexico versus Canada. Uh, Mexico at home, Canada away. And what a game it was. Canada took on Mexico in Estadio Azteca while missing some key players like Kyle Laren and goalkeeper Milan Boreon. Uh, they went down early to a smashed goal by Mexican right back Sanchez. But Jonathan Azorio, the Toronto FC man, slotted in a goal under Ochoa in the 42nd minute to equalize. And in the second half, they just managed to hold on. Davies played great, so did Lahi and Azorio. Buchanan as well had a good game. Such a great team effort. Such a great team effort that they became the first team ever in the history of CONCACAF World Cup qualifying to get points out of USA and Mexico away. No other team, no other like Central American, Caribbean team, or Canada themselves has ever gone undefeated away from home in USA and Mexico. Very impressive to them. I think that they have a really good chance of not even just qualifying, but auto-qualifying in the top three spots, hopefully not at the expense of the U.S. men's national team. Uh, everyone, oh, I should say, Jack and I both agree, agree that Mexico would win. He said 2-1, to one, I said 1-0, to zero. we both get zero points. The listeners, the listeners went off in this poll. We had 33 votes, which is uh, more than usual. We, we usually do get a good amount of votes, but like this out of any other game got the most amount of votes and it was also the closest we've ever gotten to a three-way tie between <laughs> all three results uh the listeners said canada w would win uh 36.4% 33% said mexico would win and draw got 30.3% a couple votes one way uh towards draw would have gotten them 10 points which would have been absolutely insane but unfortunately canada won out in that poll so listeners get zero points as well the next game usa versus jamaica uh we already talked about one pretty handedly two to zero uh both all of us actually believed in the usa so listeners got 10 points for that i said two to one for 10 points jack got it right on the money he knew what dos Acero was coming he got 20 points for that Jack, this next game, Argentina versus Uruguay, Conway Bowl, World Cup qualifying. What happened there? Yeah, well, this game finished 3-0 for Argentina. Argentina struck first. I mean, they were the only team to strike, I should say. <laughs> yeah. In the, but the first one to strike, of course, Lionel Messi in the 38th minute, becoming one uh, the first South American player, I believe, to, to get uh, 80 goals. Yes. 80 goals for his country, yeah. So very impressive. Uh, then... Uh, Rodrigo DePaul scored in the 44th minute, and Lautaro Martinez wrapped it up in the 62nd minute with a goal for himself. Very good, comprehensive performance by Argentina over a rival for World Cup qualifying. This result, I mean, places them pretty securely in second for now, uh, with 22 points. 
six points behind Brazil and uh, six points ahead of Ecuador and Uruguay. So with a very, game in hand as well. Exactly. Yeah. Against Brazil, that is. Oh. But uh, still, yeah. still, um, they, they are doing very well for themselves. Uruguay are one point ahead of the uh, possible qualification spot or the playoff qualification spot. But either way, uh, AJ and I and the listeners actually all backed Argentina on this one to varying degrees. AJ said three to one for Argentina. So close. So close. Luis Suarez actually hit the woodwork once in this game. So he could have had he could have had 20 points, but he'll settle for 10 here. I also get 10 points. I predicted one to zero for Argentina and the listeners chose Argentina as well for 10 points, which puts our final totals for this week uh, at 20 points for AJ tied with the listeners at 20 points. And I've got the same amount as both combined together. 40 points. I got back on track this week. It was about time. And AJ, where does that put us in the overall standings? That's a good question, because I think if if these uh, stats are correct, this does mean that, Jack, you are tied with me, 195 to 195. Listeners at 20 points behind at 175. This race is really heating up. Um, we're planning to end this season of predictions at the end of 2021 at the Christmas break. And so we are maybe about three two-fifths of the way there almost halfway so it's still anyone's game but jack you are right neck and neck with me how does that feel (sighs) took some time to get back on track but i'm glad we're (laughs) finally here i'm gonna try and keep that momentum up for this next week all right speaking of this next week let's move on to that we have games from quite literally all over the globe so let's go start with the first game which just so happens to be the first time that we have ever uttered the words Asian Football uh, Confederation World Cup qualifying. We're talking about Iran versus South Korea. And so the way that uh, the, the Asian Confederation does World Cup qualifying is for this uh, final round. I mean, there's another playoff round after this, but for this uh, bona fide final round, it splits into two groups of, I believe, five teams. Jack? Six teams. Six, Six teams. teams. Yep. So 12 teams split into two groups of six. The top team of each group automatically qualifies. And then uh, the two, uh, I believe, runners up go against each other uh, for the playoff spot, I want to say. And so right now in group A, Iran versus South Korea, they are just separated by two points in that group. Only the winner of the group auto qualifies and Iran are the FIFA ranked number 22 team in the world. And since coming back from the pandemic break, uh, have won every single game, one of their games, I believe. Yes, that is true. Uh, they currently lead the group. Uh, Mehdi Taremi, striker for Porto and Elizira Jan Bakshish, right Jahan winger Baksh. for Feyenoord. Jahan Baksh. Jahan Baksh. Thank you, Jack. They've been the standout players. The big indictment for them is that they had a pretty poor game against the UAE last uh, game three or four days ago. Despite playing well, they still heavily rely on individuals like Taremi to get three points per each game. And they haven't really had a hard test like South Korea yet in this cycle. South Korea also aren't firing in full cylinders. Their game against Syria needed an 89th minute sun goal to win at home. It was a great goal, though, however. This is a team that drew to Iraq and only had one goal wins against Lebanon twice. All those games were at home. 
and this game will be away. Their manager, Paulo Bento, is clearly not getting the most out of the squad. Many South Korean fans have said that they really lack any true identity in the way that they play. And therefore, I think that Iran will just have enough to win at home 2-1. to one. Jack, the first time we ever predict an Asian game, who do you pick to win? Yeah, well, let me tell you something. Uh, do you know the last time that South Korea beat Iran? Uh, no. I, why do you enlighten me? Uh, that would be over a decade ago, in really? January of 2011. That was the last time they were able to get a win, a 1-0 win for that. Was matter. it at home? No, uh, it was away from, or I mean, it was actually neutral territory. It was in the Asian Cup uh, okay. quarterfinals. But still, uh, they have not been able to beat Iran at home, and they have not even drawn against Iran at home. So I'm going to pick Iran for this one as well. Uh, I think that it's going to be kind of conservative, but I'm going to say, I'll say one to zero for Iran. I, I feel like it's going to be a very cagey match that's going to be decided by one goal, one way or the other. All right. That is uh, Iran versus South Korea. Jack, uh, you decided to put this one on and you convinced me that we should put this game into the five Albania versus Poland and UEFA World Cup qualifying uh, why don't you give us the context and what you think about this match? Yeah, I know some people might be hearing this matchup and thinking, why in the world would you put this into your predictions? And the reason why is it actually matters a lot for World Cup qualifying in UEFA uh, because these two teams are basically duking it out for whoever gets the, uh, the uh, extra qualifying path for the World Cup. England's pretty much guaranteed to win this group. But Albania and Poland are separated by just one point. Who is going to finish runner-up is going to be pretty much determined by this game. Uh, if, if Albania are able to pull off a win, then they will go pretty much clear, only needing a win over, I believe, Andorra to qualify mm -hmm. for the next stage, which should be manageable for them. Uh, on the other hand, if Poland win, they've pretty much set themselves up to, uh, to clinch that, that qualifying path. And it's, it's going to be an exciting game, I think, because Albania has been playing pretty well recently. They have lost uh, some, some games to the Czech Republic, and also they did lose to Poland in September. They did pull off impressive wins, though, twice over Hungary. They beat San Marino, obviously, had a, had a decent result, only losing 2-0 to zero against England, and have been decently impressive uh, so far. Uh, they, they've, got some, they've got some good players who are powering them through this qualifying. Armando Broja, I love him. He's a Chelsea uh, player who is on loan at Southampton right now. Uh, their goalkeeper, uh, Itrit Berisha, has been quite good. Berat Jim City has been good uh, in, their, in their defense. They have a chance. However, Poland is also doing pretty well for themselves. They are only one point behind Albania and have had some good results, including a draw against England uh, at home. Pretty, uh, pretty good result. That, uh, I really want Albania to win this because I think it would be awesome for them to make it in, to have a chance at qualifying for the World Cup. That being said, though, I think Poland should pull this off. And I'm going to say they win it 2-1. to one. I think it will be an exciting game. But... I, I really I, I can't express to you how much I think it would I, I would love Albania to win. But I, I'm going to say Poland do get the win here, even if they're away from home. 
it is Albania, but it would be what a narrative it would be if Albania win. It, it would be a pretty big narrative, Jack, especially because Albania has never been to the World Cup. Exactly. Ever. So to see them potentially get in would be pretty exciting. I also think that they won't. And <laughs> I, I don't have any like comprehensive <laughs> notes here. Uh, I, I do want to back Poland, but seeing that you're, you are backing Poland, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I should maybe pull up a, a, an upset. I think Albania wins this one to one i think they're gonna draw so. oh, okay <laughs> I was, at first i was like that's not a win <laughs> but hey i think they take that one to one i i really think i think they treat that as a win because that would be think huge so, yeah. if they that if they do huge. that they're they pretty much uh because they still have to play england albania so if they if they lose that one they've just got to win their game against andorra and hope poland drop points in one other game and yeah they they make it so who knows <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to uh, a game that hopefully is easier to predict for me. That's USA versus Costa Rica. Costa Rica uh, beating El Salvador in this past game, and USA dropping major points away to Panama. This is at home in a very historical place, Columbus, uh, Ohio. USA have a a lot of positive memories in Columbus, Ohio. So maybe there's some good mojo here, considering that Today, Jack, is actually bad mojo for the USA. Yeah, it is. It's not, not a good only, day. Not only four years ago did we miss the World Cup in 2018 uh, because of uh, some, some crazy things happening in Cuba in Trinidad and Tobago, but I believe it was five years ago we won the playoff match with Mexico to send us to potentially send us to the Confederations Cup in 2017. Uh, in 2016, we lost that game at least, or 2015, one of the two. So October 10th, it's not a good day for the U.S. men's national team. <laughs> However, I don't know what October 13th has in store, but I'm hoping it's a, a revenge match against Costa Rica to prove that we're still good. In fact, I think we're so good, we're going to put out our best lineup and win this 3-0. to zero. Jack, what do you think? I'm, I'm not that bullish on the U.S., but I, I do think <laughs> the U.S. should win. Yeah. You know how it goes. I predict my teams to win. Uh, the U.S. is going to be in a better position. You know, they're going to have players back that they didn't have for the game against Panama. We saw, you know, we we know how much Anthony Robinson provides to this team. Mm-hmm. And his presence was severely missed uh, tonight. So I, I think that having him back is going to be a huge boost. I think we also get uh, Weston McKenney back is, uh, or... Yeah, I could, I could w- be Weston McKenney, Sergino Des hopefully is healthy again. Um, and we probably are going to rotate back in Adams, Pepe, uh, Aronson, most likely. Yeah, so. exactly. So I think that the U.S. will win this. <coughs> I'm going to say two to one, though. I'm, I'm going to say Ooh. two to one. I think okay. Costa Rica have the quality to get a goal. But I think the U.S., you know, Pepe is going to score another. Why not? Pepe train. Let's go. All right. All right. Uh, let's move on to some club games because the club games are back and making a return. Uh, Lyon versus Monaco is our first game. We don't talk about Liga enough. And I think this is going to be a very evenly matched game because on paper, these are two very evenly matched teams. They're only one point apart in the table. Monaco has 14 and Lyon has 13. They both scored 14 goals, only two goals apart in goals against and Lyon is six games unbeaten at home, and Monaco is five games unbeaten away. 
Leon are missing, however, their starting goalkeeper, Lopez, to a red card. But meanwhile, uh, Monaco are missing their left winger, Diop, and their center back, uh, Cho Uameni, also two red cards. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I guess you would know his pronunciation, huh? Uh, so, really hard to separate these two teams. So, in fact, I won't. I'm going to say so. 1-1 one, one draw between Leon and Monaco. Jack, what do you think will happen in this game? Well, you you know I like Monaco, right? Uh, yes. But the, the thing that makes this tough for me to predict a, a Monaco win is that one of their best players, who I consider to be one of their best players, uh, Golovin, Alexander Golovin. Is injured, Is injured, right? yes. Yeah. Uh, he could potentially return by this game, but that would be really pushing it. And I think he's just so good. They're also missing uh, Cesc Fabregas, who is still playing, still playing very well for them. They're missing. Really? They're starting right back Sidibe, uh-huh. which doesn't help either. So they're going to be relying on Voland and Ben Yedder. But without Tchouameni to control the midfield, I, I'm not sure how much hope I have for Monaco in this one. Leon have been playing decently well, you know, uh, get, uh, getting some good results here and there. Shakiri's been playing uh, decently well as well. Um, I I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call a draw because uh, we're we're not going I'm not gonna repeat what you what you did. So I if I had to pick one, I think that it'll be Leon that wins this like one to zero. I think. Okay. I I if if Tachuamani wasn't suspended, he's such a brilliant talent. If he wasn't suspended, I think that uh, there's a very I would pick Monaco in a heartbeat. But okay, it's tough to deal with that loss. Yes, I agree. Uh, this uh, this really is setting us up for a Monaco just beat down of Leon, just a five zero win. I, hey, to be fair, I would love it. I would love it. Yeah, I I I would love it for the entertainment factor. Uh, speaking of entertainment factor, we have quite the entertaining game happening in the Bundesliga: Bayer Leverkusen versus Bayern Munich, the unlikely second seed versus first seed matchup. That's right, Leverkusen are second in the Bundesliga. Jack, who is winning this? Battle of Giants. Well, you say they're second in the table, but it's only on goal difference, too. Like, that is they, true. That they've is been playing true. very well recently, putting up some big results against Armenia Bielefeld and against Greuther, or sorry, against, uh, sorry, Stuttgart. I was looking at their Europa yes. Conference League game, it looks like, uh, or well, Europa League game. Yeah, they won against Celtic 4-0 to zero yeah. away from home. That is very impressive. That is impressive. still very impressive, yeah, but... Here, here's the thing. It's still Bayern, isn't it? And that makes it really tough to go for Leverkusen. I think they have some great players. Patrick Schick has continued his great form from the Euros. Uh, you know, uh, Demir Bay has been doing pretty well. Uh, but ultimately, it's Bayern. They're, they're probably going to win. They, they find a way to win games more often than they find ways to lose games. I'm going to go for Bayern winning this 3-1. to one. Okay, okay. Jack, you can call me crazy all you want if I don't have Bayern winning. In fact, I don't even have Bayern tying. What? I, oh, okay, okay. I have Bayern Leverkusen winning, right? And I think the X factor here is the defense of Bayern Munich. As it is right now, they're still gelling together. A lot of their defensive stability from years past came from a long time partnerships in the defense particularly losing Alaba has hurt them a lot and we've seen that uh, get, 
shape itself up with some sh uh, shaky games in the past, including against the uh, Eintracht Frankfurt, who they lost against. I don't think uh, their center backs really played as well as they should have, even though they're still very good. Uba Meccano and Lucas Hernandez are still very good. Uh, another X factor, I think, is a potential injury to Manuel Neuer. He was out for the recent Germany game. Uh, I, if I had to bet on it, if I was a betting man, I'd say that he'd be back for this game. But, you know, D Byron's defense is even shaky as it is right now. If he's gone, it's going to be very hard to keep goals out. Uh, I, I say that, but I still have Bayer Leverkusen just winning by one goal. I'm saying one to zero. Oh, which, wow. Okay. The more I think about it is crazy. But if Keeping there's Bayern a, out. Okay. Okay. If there is a time to beat Bayern Munich, it would be right now after the international break, which Bayern has a lot of players playing in. They're tired. Uh, their defense isn't as great. This is the time to win. And I think uh, I think it will happen. So you said three to one. I said one to zero. Quite, quite the difference. Yep. Yep. We'll see who wins it. Jack, how are you feeling about today's uh, predictions? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Especially since uh, I didn't let my emotions get in the way of the Albania v. Poland games. I think that might benefit me quite a bit. So yes. we'll, we'll see. And also the Leon v. Monaco one. But a uh, few differences uh, be, between us. Three differences in here. We'll see who comes out on top this week. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, listeners, if you want to participate that, follow us where, Jack? On Twitter, at Final Third Show. Vote in all the polls. You know, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fun. Can we break the record for 33 votes in Mexico versus Canada? Maybe Albania versus Poland. Maybe a bunch of Albanian and Polish fans come on and uh, really rack up the numbers on that one. Maybe uh, USA versus Costa Rica. Can we do it? Let's find out. <laughs> All right. Also follow us on uh, whatever podcast platform you listen to us on, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We're getting a lot of followers on Spotify, which is good to see. Good to see. So don't forget to uh, follow us there. Leave a rating wherever you listen to us on. And yeah, tell a friend you enjoy the show. Tell your dad that you enjoy the show. You can find us next next week, but also this coming week, for a, a special uh, sports washing deep dive episode. So that will be very vault, exciting. From the vault, one might say. Because... From, yeah. from the vault. <laughs> uh, we recorded the episode about two weeks ago, but... It's still very pertinent. We are going to have an addendum right at the beginning about Saudi Arabia. So, yeah, go ahead, listen to that, and we'll see you guys same time, same place for next week's News and Predictions episode. See ya. Bye for now. All right, all right, all right, all right. Pause that.